Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by them, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Well, good morning. Today is Easter Sunday, and I'm so excited to celebrate Easter Sunday. I'm going to be honest right off the bat. This is an unexpected Easter. Um, As I was uh, planning for Easter this year, and we start Easter planning a a long time before Easter, because Easter for us as believers is the high holiday. This is the pinnacle of our faith. We celebrate Jesus Christ as our risen Savior, risen from the dead, just as he said he would. And um, this celebration is one that, that means so much for us because it changes our entire reality, our entire identity. Death has been swallowed up by Jesus' victory. Uh, We usually do this kind of celebration in person. This is one of our highest attended Sundays. And so to be doing it like this, preaching into a camera, not getting to be with you uh, in person is very unexpected for me. But as as I've been reflecting on this Easter Sunday that we just heard about in Luke 24, uh, you know, in some ways, this, this unexpected type of Easter is very close to the Easter that the, that the apostles were experiencing. They were shut in in a house as well. They were afraid. They, they were practicing their own uh, sort of social distancing. And they were doing that because of the death of Jesus, the persecution that was coming their way, the people turning against them, and they were scared. And they didn't know what was next, and they didn't know what to anticipate. And you might maybe be feeling a little bit of the same um, during this time. Uh, You might even be asking yourself, hey, where is God in all of this? Maybe you're you're facing losing a job or uh, having a loved one who's sick, or maybe you yourself are sick. Uh, Whatever it is you're experiencing, uh, you might be looking at the, the tragedy of the times, the unexpected nature of this kind of Easter that's supposed to be this exuberant celebration for us. And you might be asking yourself, where is God in all this? But here's what encourages me is that Easter is a celebration of what God can do with the very worst. What God can do with the worst circumstances, the worst situations, and even the worst people when we feel 
low and abandoned and, and isolated. Um, the reality of the resurrection brings us together and gives us life. And so um, maybe this Easter you feel like, I don't have all the ingredients for a celebration, but that is what happens with the resurrection power of Jesus, that he brings life from death and he more than exceeds our expectations. So although this might not be the Easter that any of us were expecting, God can do something amazing in our lives and in our church during this season. You know, the truth is expectations shape our reality. Uh, I think of, um, you know, two students taking a test. Think with me back to the time, maybe if you're in school now, you, this is very uh, real for you, although you, you've been taking a break from, from this kind of uh, rigors of testing. But two students, they go and they take a test and they both get a D. They both barely pass. Uh, well, although they're in the same exact circumstance, the two students might walk away feeling completely different. One student expected to, to get an A, expected to, to, to really blow this test out of the water, and they barely pass, and so they walk away disappointed. And that shapes that student's reality. Another student walked into the desk feeling like, there is no way I'm going to pass this test. Not a chance. And then they get their grade back and they barely pass. And they're excited. They're ecstatic. They're exuberant. They can't believe that they passed the test. What's changed? Two exact identical realities. Two students get a D on a test. But their expectations and the way they approached their assignment and their test uh, shaped the realities completely differently. And that's true for us. Our expectations uh, shape our realities. In this passage, we see that, that, that Jesus uh, is approached with certain expectations. We, we see Jesus all through the Gospels as presented as a sort of unexpected Savior. That Jesus um, is the Savior that people didn't expect. And when they thought of the Messiah, they expected something different. And, and for us, it's the same way. The way we approach Jesus, the way we view Jesus... It shapes our reality and it reveals our expectations. In, in Luke 20, 24, we see here the women coming to the tomb and the way they approach Jesus shows us their expectations. They were approaching a tomb expecting a dead body. And so they were coming to Jesus, but they were coming to Jesus uh, not with the expectation of victory and resurrection, but they were coming to Jesus with the expectation of death and mourning. And there's a, there's a picture, Luke paints this picture of them in the tomb, and it says that, that they are wondering what happened when they don't see Jesus' body. So that means they, they show up, there is no dead body, um, but they're still in there and they're still trying to figure out what's going on. And that to us might seem like a normal thing on face value. Yeah, the body's gone. Of course, they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. But then in, um, in verse 5, it says, Why do you look for the living among the dead? These angels appear and they ask him this question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. And this is, this is the powerful part. They say this. Remember how he told you 
while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And so there the angels tell the women, listen, you should have been expecting this. Jesus told you about this. And they remind them of the time and place where he told them this. So then all of a sudden, the fact that they're sitting in an empty tomb, wondering what happened, they're not quite sure. They're trying to come up with possible scenarios of what happened to Jesus' body um, shows us that they were approaching Jesus with different expectations than he had spelled out for for them. And so instead of painting uh, a picture of of hope and joy as they approach this tomb, uh, expecting an empty tomb, once seeing an empty tomb, uh, remembering the resurrection of of Jesus, the power that he talked about that he was going to have, they're expecting death. And so they are surprised, they are frightened, they are mourning. And for us, I think um, that same question applies to us. What are our expectations as we approach Jesus? And I think that question that the, the angels pose to, to, the, to the women is so important for us today as well. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I think in this time where, um, quite honestly, all the things that we, we have been looking to and trying to um, uh, have in our normal lives, our, our, our jobs and our schedules and our schools and all of that stuff that we look to for some sense of normalcy, some sense of control, some sense of uh, regularity is kind of melted away. And uh, what chance we have in this season is that we, it, we can kind of expose uh, what we're looking to for our hope. And so some of us might be needing to ask ourselves and realizing at this time that really I'm looking for life among dead things. That really my, I'm looking for a sense of life and purpose in a career. And that's not where life is found. Maybe uh, I'm, I'm looking for a sense of life and purpose in, 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 in a, some kind of social structure that I'm, that I'm in. And that's not where life is. Maybe I'm looking for, 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 for life and purpose in, you know, in my uh, achievements or in my uh, whatever it may be. Uh, but that's not where life is. This question reminds us that that we have a tendency as human beings, even though we might know what Jesus has told us, even though we might know the reality of who Jesus is, to continuously go look for life amongst dead things. So the question for us is, what are we expecting? The story shifts, they go back, their expectations are entirely blown out of the water. And they go back and they share what had happened, and, and, and what we see here is that th- these people who, these women whose expectations have been completely transformed, they've been given the new reality of the resurrection, just like Jesus said. They become unexpected witnesses. They didn't expect to be witnesses, and also they, uh, in the culture, in this time, are very unexpected witnesses. It says this, starting at verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them that told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up 
ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Mary Magdalene and these women first into the empty tomb. They're the first to see the resurrected Jesus. They are the witnesses of the resurrection first. And I, where we are, it might not seem significant that women are mentioned first, but it really is because in that culture, in that time, women weren't even uh, seen as um, as people who can give a solid testimony. In, in a legal court, um, a woman's word is not regarded as valid at that time. And so for God to be trying to construct this narrative that is going to shape all of eternity, shape the world, he puts first this word, this witness um, in the hands of women that would have been regarded as uh, not viable at the time. And I like to think of it this way because the story is so grand and the story um, is, is, is in a way bigger than any of our expectations that, that God would defeat death entirely. If, if this was in any way a false story, uh, I believe that they would, have, they would have tried to find the most credible witnesses uh, some some kind of wise old man that that would have been well respected, a figure like that to say that was the first person to see the resurrected Jesus. But instead, Jesus chooses to use an unbelievable witness to share this unbelievable, unexpected story, and that to me is powerful. Um, even the apostles, even the apostles. The 11, it's a sitting in their room who had experienced all what Jesus had done. They hear of the resurrection. And their immediate response is, man, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I believe this. Even though Jesus had told them in Galilee that this exactly would happen, even though these women that they trusted and had been with them and had been with Jesus just told them this is what happened, they still say, we don't believe. But Peter gets up and he runs to the tomb. And to me, um, that, that is an encouragement because as believers, we are called, if you are somebody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe in the power of his resurrection, if you've given him lordship of your life, we are called to be witnesses. But sometimes uh, fear gets in the way of that. We don't want to share the good news of Jesus because we're afraid. How are people going to receive this? How are people going to react to this? How are people going to um, uh, respond to me sharing the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to me, it encourages me that, that, you know what? The truth is that there might be some people who are going to reject this. Out of the 11, it looks like most of them rejected the news firsthand. Obviously, they would come to know that the resurrected Jesus is alive and well and, and defeating death. But only Peter in this account gets up and runs. And uh, that to me is an encouragement to say, if God's called you under his lordship and you are a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, continue to tell the good news of the resurrection of Jesus because he might be using you to get Peter's different types of people to run and see what Jesus has done. The truth is, as we are, in some sense, unexpected witnesses ourselves, it's Jesus' hope that we would be confident of his resurrection power. Uh, the same author uh, 
of, of, of Luke writes Acts. And in Acts 1, 3 says this, after his suffering, he, Jesus, presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom. Listen, we can be confident as witnesses of what Jesus has done, resurrection witnesses of, of how he's changed our life. We can be uh, confident of the, the events of the resurrection because these are firsthand accounts. Scripture tells us, history records, that Jesus uh, appears to over 500 people. And people wrote about these accounts. And it's because, um, because of the accounts of the resurrection are primary sources. These are, these are things that happen in a specific time and place. These weren't once upon a time. These weren't a long time ago. These weren't a distant relative told me. These weren't in a distant place. These were real people who told the truth, even though the establishment wanted to quash this whole thing. These were people who were willing to put their life on the line for the message, and many died for this truth. All the disciples were bold in their testimony, so much so that they died other than uh, the apostle John. And in all the recorded history of that time, we don't see stories of recantation. We see stories of martyrdom. If this was a, a false story, if this was some small thing, and people would have said, you know what, I was trying to help build this narrative, but it's not worth it. It's not worth that me and my family would die for this. But what Jesus must have done at that time must have been so powerful. And the gift that he gave in the power of his resurrection, so valuable that people were willing to put themselves in danger and put their very lives on the line because they knew that with him, they would live eternally. They saw and they believed Jesus, in that time, in that place, Jesus uh, was crucified in Jerusalem. He died there. He was buried in Jerusalem. He was resurrected in Jerusalem. The witnesses saw him in Jerusalem, and the church started, and it grew in Jerusalem. No delay in time, no change of location, people willing to, to die for this truth. And today we ask ourselves, as we approach this unexpected Easter, this unexpected uh, Savior, we ask ourselves this important question. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? The truth is, I didn't expect Jesus in my life. I come from a Muslim background. Jesus was the furthest thing from what I expected to do. I, I never expected to be a pastor. Here am I, somebody who, who, who was an enemy of Jesus but came face to face with him. And now I cannot help but be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus because his resurrection power, his spirit has changed my life entirely. And my prayer is that you would understand this truth, that you would not look for the living among the dead anymore, but that you would embrace the resurrection power of Jesus and it would so transform your life. And this has been the way. We see this in scripture even. The opposite end of, of Mary Magdalene is, is, is a man named Paul who dedicated his life, like, like me, was an enemy of Jesus. He dedicated his life to disproving the resurrection of Jesus. But he encounters the resurrected Lord and he becomes a witness of the power of the resurrection until he was, as history records, beheaded in Rome. 
He writes this in a letter that he writes to the, to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6, he says this, For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. He says this is the most important thing that he received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Paul says, listen, I was an enemy. I was an enemy. And Paul says, I wasn't there, but I know the people who were there. And I've seen his resurrection power in my life. And so I pass this on to you of first importance. And my question for us today is, do we realize that this is of first importance, that we need the resurrection power of Jesus? Listen, the longer I live and the longer you live, you know the brokenness of this world. That our bodies are failing, our systems are failing, and that we need a Savior. And this is not the Easter I expected. And, and for many of us, this is not the Savior that we expected, but it's the one we need. And if that's you today, if you recognize your need for a Savior, if you recognize your need for a resurrection, I want to tell you today that Christ is risen from the dead. And that means that the obstacle or, or pain that is in your way, none of that is too big for his saving grace. When he defeated death, it was a signal to us as his people that there is no enemy left to be defeated. So my hope is that you would recognize the resurrection power of Jesus, that, that, that you'd put to death, as scripture says, your old life, and walk in your new life with Christ. The truth is that Jesus loves us. Loves us so much, uh, even with our mess, even with our baggage, even with our mistakes. But when he encounters us, he wants to change us. He wants to remake us. He doesn't want us to live in that old life anymore, but he wants us to step into a greater story that he has for us. A greater purpose. He wants to give us life out of death. He wants to take a circumstance like this and, and bring life through the power of his resurrection. And he wants to make you new. One of my favorite verses in scripture is found in the gospel of John, John 1, 12 through 13. It speaks of this new reality for those of us who embrace the need for our savior. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We get to live in a new reality as children of God. And your circumstances, your background, your upbringing, your parentage, they can't keep you away from that. You get to be a new creation. For those of us who recognize our need and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, a new life and a new identity becomes our right through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what about you? Speaking directly to you, I, I, I don't quite know who's on the other side of this camera, but I've been praying that God would put this in front of the people that need to hear it. Do you believe? 
Do you need a resurrection? Listen, uh, I've learned that, that, I, that I need a resurrection. I've gone through um, a, a physical battle with cancer, and now I've seen things like this coronavirus. I'm not foolish enough to think that I'm going to live forever in this body. I feel it in this body. I, I, that one day, and, and God willing, I pray it'll be far, far off that on this earth, I'm going to breathe my last breath. But I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because I know that when that day comes, it's not the end for me. That those who are in Christ, even though they've fallen asleep, will rise again. And in the meantime, we get to live a life of purpose. And I get to, we get to testify to the resurrection power of Jesus that we've seen at work in us. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Because the one who believes in him will live even though they die. This is the power of the resurrection found in Jesus. Listen, it's been over 2,000 years since that first resurrection Sunday. But I love Easter every year because Jesus is still in the resurrection business. That Jesus is bringing new life to people year after year. This message doesn't get old to me. Because I've seen Jesus transform people's lives over and over and over again. And he's doing it today. You know, Jesus thought of us in our circumstance encountering this message. Even uh, in the Gospels. Jesus, when he's with his disciples at the end of the, the Gospel of John, John 20, verse 29, after showing his disciples, making them firsthand witnesses of his resurrection power, he says this to them. He says, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So I'm not sure what your expectations are as you approach this Easter. But whatever circumstance you come out of, whatever obstacle is in the way, whatever challenge or fear that, that, that is in inhibiting you, the resurrection power of Jesus is stronger than any force in this world. And, and for those of you who are listening right now who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, for those who, who, who maybe th this is not your first Easter message you've listened to and you're celebrating this resurrection message as a, as a believer, this is the perfect time for you to approach Jesus again and approach him for your source of life. This is the perfect time for you uh, to reassess all those things in your life and say, God, am I prioritizing my career and all these other things over, over you as my source of life? And I want to... I want to speak to those today who, who are watching this, um, maybe because it's Easter, maybe because you've just scrolled by. I don't, I don't know how God brought you to this today. Maybe you've been invited by somebody, but may, maybe Jesus is not your Lord. Today you can make him your Lord. You can enter into that new life 
you can get rid of the old life that, that, you've, that you've been a part of. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who encounters Jesus uh, and is forever changed, says this, writes this in his letter to the Romans, that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And some of you today need to, right there in your living room, on your couch or whatever, need to, for the first time ever, say, Jesus is Lord, and believe in the power of his resurrection. This is the pinnacle and the central message of our faith. Jesus is victorious over sin. And in his life, he defeats death. In his dying, he defeats death so that we would have the spoils of victory and live with him forever in eternity. This is the power of Easter Sunday. This is the power of the resurrection. And we get to be a part of that. And so as you have heard God's word, um, my encouragement and my invitation to you right now, we're getting ready to go into a time of, of worship. And we have a tradition that every Sunday when we hear God's word, we take a moment uh, right after hearing God's word and say, before we get busy with other things and say, it's time to respond to God's word. And so uh, some of you need to respond maybe for the first time. I want to encourage you to reach out to us, send a message to us so that we can pray with you, that we can follow up with you. Some of you right now where you're sitting need to um, pray that prayer in Romans 10, 9. Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart today. Maybe you need to get with your spouse or your family and just all get on your knees and, and, and approach Jesus with the expectation that he is truly the savior of the world. Would you pray with me? King Jesus, Thank you for your resurrection power, God. Thank you that you've made us new creations, God. Thank you that we get to share in the spoils of your victory, that even though we die and we fade on this earth, God, that we will live forever with you. God, I pray that we would be witnesses of your resurrection, God. The change you've made in our hearts and in our lives, God, it would be, it would be something that we want to share God, that you'd open the door for us to speak that truth into the people we love, God. And I pray for anyone right now who's listening, God, who, who uh, has not put their life in your hand, has not made you the Lord of their life, God, would you give them courage and boldness, God, and would you reveal yourself to them? In Jesus' name, amen.